Grace Chapel podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We're so glad you're here. Before we get started, we want to remind you of the importance of being connected into a local church body. Podcasts are a gift from God, but are meant to be supplemental and not substitute or replace the gathering of the saints in worship in the Word. With that being said, we pray that this teaching would bless you, equip you, and encourage you in your walk with Christ. All right, well, anytime uh, we move into certain uh, topics or categories within the church, you know, there, there can be excitement, there can be nervousness, there can be uncertainty. And, you know, I, I don't have like a complete list in my mind right now, but I would say um, money and the gifts of the Spirit are probably two of the more controversial. We get a little nervous when we begin talking about those things. So money's coming in a few weeks, so you can get excited and ready for that one. Um, but we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit this morning. So um, I want to give a few opening thoughts. Um, first of all, just want to say uh, almost five years ago now, which is crazy to think about, but in the fall of 2018 and the spring of 2019, we spent three or four months just talking about the Holy Spirit. We did a series called Abide, um, and we took our time on purpose. Like the first third of the series was just getting to know who the Holy Spirit is. Like, like who is this third person in the Godhead that we're to know and to walk with? And we talked about how do we cultivate a relationship with him? How do we recognize his presence and his activity in our lives and really cultivate a living relationship with the Holy Spirit? And then we moved into talking about the fruit that the Holy Spirit produces and the gifts that he gives. And so I just wanna say, while we're spending a couple of weeks talking about the gifts specifically, let's not separate this from the, the, the relationship that we are meant to be rooted in. The God that knows us and loves us, that we are growing in relationship with, one of the things he wants to do in our lives is to give gifts. Yes, for us to enjoy him, but that we might participate with him to care for one another, to minister to each other. So I just, I want that to kind of be a background of things. So, so here's some thoughts. Number one, the gifts are for today. The gifts are for today. That's my starting point this morning. I believe that with all my heart. Jesus, the disciples, the early church, the letters to the churches, historical witness over the centuries, the current witness of the church, the gifts are active and present today. Um, I do find it interesting that some of the, the, the same folks who might argue that certain of the gifts are no longer uh, for today, I never hear them making the argument that the fruit of the Spirit isn't for today. Never hear that argument. Well, the Spirit is present and active to operate in the church and in the world to bring the lost to Christ and to build up and heal the church. God is unchanging. It's one of his primary characteristics. And so the same Spirit that is meant to produce fruit in our lives of godly character gives gifts to the church. That's my starting point this morning. Now, I'm willing to walk in loving fellowship with believers who disagree with me on that, but I just want you to know where we are coming from and what we see in scripture and witness in the world. And so the gifts are for today. I believe that with all my heart. Um, how we use the gifts is so important. And this is why Mark taught what he taught last week. Love is central and the gifts are best displayed. I don't know if that's the right word I want to use. You know, I, I just only get up here and talk. Like I, 
I guess I don't need to be super precise in language. No, I should be very precise. The gifts that are displayed, that operate through our lives, they are best at work when working in conjunction with the fruit of the Spirit. Much of the confusion and hurt and damage that has been caused at times in the name of the Holy Spirit, in the name of certain gifts of the Spirit, I, I hesitate to say always, but I would say most of the time are probably because the person operating in them isn't walking in the fruit of the Spirit. There's not love. There's not kindness. There's not gentleness. There's not patience. There's not self-control. We could do a whole topic on that. Okay, and so, so the way we operate in the gifts is rooted in love. And then as people that are filled with God's Spirit, who see his fruit being produced in our lives. See, if, if people get a taste of the fruit of the Spirit, they'll be very receptive to the gifts that that God would give. Taste and see that the Lord is good. That's what we're doing when we're interacting with one another and God's Spirit is flowing through us. We want people to have a taste of the goodness and love of God. And so we're meant to walk in love. Um, there's a reason not only... Um, that we, we taught what we taught last Sunday, but there's a reason, I believe, that in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, when he's talking in 1 Corinthians 12 about the gifts, and then as he moves into chapter 14, and, and so much of what he's doing in his dialogue with the Corinthian churches, he's correcting things that are out of order, but he's telling them you should operate in these gifts. And what is placed right between 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14? Anybody know? Yep, love. I thought you were gonna say 13 because you know how to do math. Yeah, 13, it's the love chapter. That's there on purpose. It is central to understanding how we operate in the gifts. The gifts are not about me. If, if I'm using the gifts of the Holy Spirit to somehow give me a sense of purpose or identification or feel better about myself because look at my gift that I walk in. I'm missing the point completely. Our mindset ought to be like that of John the Baptist, like I must decrease and he must increase. The gifts are meant to operate through us in love, which is sacrificial. It's putting the good of another ahead of myself. And so love is central to this. So this means that the gifts are motivated by love for others. Not any other reason. Not to build myself up, not to feel better about myself, not to see something powerful, miraculous happen, because wouldn't that be cool? No, God cares about people. And he wants to heal people. And he wants to encourage people. And he wants to touch people's lives. And so motivated by love, God's gifts will operate to touch people. So they're motivated by love. The gifts are activated by faith, listen, in God. Not in my ability to be really good at doing these things. Often we confuse faith with like faith in myself, confidence in myself. Am I able to do this? No, my faith is in God, in him. Operating, moving, touching people's lives. I'm trusting him. I'm placing my faith in him. So the gifts are motivated by love, they're activated by faith in God, and the gifts flow out of an abiding life. They flow out of an abiding life. I receive the gifts from the one I'm walking with. Right, who do you give really, really good gifts to, thoughtful gifts to, meaningful gifts to? People that you love and you know. And so that's how this operates. We walk in this abiding relationship with the Lord and he gives gifts 
that he knows fit us, that we'll enjoy, and that we will delight in using to glorify him, that he can trust us with them because they're gonna be about honoring him and about loving others. All right, so there's a little foundation for us. Um, so I wanna start in 1 Corinthians 12. There's a, there's a couple different verses we're gonna read here. And then over this Sunday and next Sunday, and we'll see if it takes longer than that, um, we're gonna go through all of them and just kind of unpack these passages that talk about the different gifts that are listed. Um, and so let's start here in 1 Corinthians 12.1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. That word uninformed, it's huge. It means unknown or ignorant. Like it's, it's possible, maybe even for some of you sitting here this morning, you're just like, man, we're moving into territory of just, I don't know about this. I've not heard much about it. Um, maybe I'm, I'm relatively new in my faith. Maybe I've just been in church backgrounds where this wasn't talked about a lot. And so this is, hey, I'm open to it, but this is just unknown territory for me. Well, Paul's saying, hey, I don't, I don't want you to be stuck there in this place where you're uninformed. And so one of our goals is for the unknown to become known. Let's be informed about the gifts that God wants to give. It can also mean, that word uninformed can also mean to not understand, so maybe I've heard about them in passing. Maybe I've sort of been around it a little bit, but I don't have a real understanding. And so the Lord wants us not only to, to know what these are, but to understand how to walk in them, understand what he's doing through them. And then finally, that word uninformed can even mean to ignore, to ignore. And I think at times there, there are well-meaning believers who love the Lord, who believe in the Holy Spirit's presence, who just feel out of, out of ignorance, out of misunderstanding, maybe even out of experiencing things that were out of order or, or hurt, that it just feels safer or easier to just ignore it. And Paul's like, man, I just don't want you to do that. You're missing out on something wonderful if we ignore this, if we're unaware of it, or if we misunderstand. So he's saying, I don't want you to be uninformed. I want you to have clarity on the gifts God wants to give. Anybody want clarity? on the Spirit's gifts, I do. I'm praying for more and more clarity all the time in my life. I'm, I'm not assuming this morning that I'm the one with understanding that's bringing that to you. I'm saying, hey, let's come before the Lord and receive what he has for us, and let's grow in our understanding and use of the gifts he wants to give. So moving down now to verse four. Uh, I'm gonna read four through seven, and then we're gonna go to verse 11. I'm not ignoring verses eight, nine, and 10. We're just getting to them in a minute. Um, but four through seven and verse 11. This is another kind of anchor point for us. Paul writes and he says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in some super spiritual people. Is that what's there? No, y'all are quiet this morning. Is this the like, we didn't get to go on fall break crew and we're just kinda gonna take it this morning while we're sitting here? That's what's happening, yeah. <laughs> Everyone, thank you, Mark. <laughs> Everyone. Verse seven, two. You're, you're, get, you're starting to sort of get there. To each is given, I won't make you say manifestation just in case you stumble over that one. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the good. For everyone, each is given for the common good. And now verse 11. 
All of these are empowered by the one and same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as, we hope for it really hard, as he wills, as he wills. He gives us what we need when we need it, and he wants everyone to experience the gifts that he has, okay? Now, what I love about what Paul's writing here and what the heart behind this is, is that there's unity and variety. In the same way a few weeks ago, we were talking about how we're meant to be united together, and there is this celebration of our diversity, our differences, whether that's, you know, race, gender, all the various categories, socioeconomic, different backgrounds. Like He wants us to appreciate and enjoy the diversity he gives us. There's great pleasure in that. In the same way, the gifts, there's a variety of different gifts, but there is a unity in them and that the Holy Spirit is active in all. And so there is this unity in variety and all are from God. And I love that he'll even give different gifts to different people because, he, again, he wants us to get this idea that we need each other. He did that on purpose so that there's not, here's the one person that's the gifted person, like some Marvel superhero or something, and then nobody else has that. We really need that person to do all this stuff. No, God is the miracle worker. He's the hero, and he empowers all. And, and he actually really enjoys the fact that he'll go, hey, you're gonna operate in this and you're gonna operate this and you're gonna operate in this and when you all find each other and you're ministering together and to one another, this really beautiful thing happens that brings life and healing and joy. And so God gives individually as he wills. So here's, here's what I believe about this and we'll move into this more in just a minute. But I believe that the gifts are given in the moment as needed. Like there's a lot of confusion about the gifts, like this one's my gift, it's my spiritual gift that he's given me and I always operate in that. I believe that's a component as well. I believe that there are gifts that God can give in the moment as needed. I believe that there are gifts that are like an area of strength, like I tend to walk in that gift and maybe I have for a long time. And then also there is this giftedness that comes when we're stepping into certain roles or positions. And so positionally, there are roles within the body that are needed, and God's like, I'm gonna give that gift to help fulfill this role. And so whether it's like there's a positional need that's like, man, this is needed in this moment, so God's gonna give that person that gift to walk in that role, great. Like, I'll give you an example. I don't know if this is specifically a spiritual gift manifestation in my life, but I generally don't think of myself as being very apostolic, being very entrepreneurial. I'm very like, let me just get planted in a place and stay there and love Jesus and love people and just kind of hang there. And man, it has stretched me big time moving to a town, planting a church. That feels very outside of maybe my natural giftings or abilities. I felt very stretched in that. And I think by some miracle, God's given some ability to walk in that entrepreneurial thing because it was needed. Um, I also think he's brought other people along that have that. It's been very helpful and necessary for the body. Um, but he'll give us what we need as needed. And so even in a moment, like, like you may find yourself in a situation where you're like, I don't typically walk in the gift of word of knowledge. But man, I'm in a specific moment with a specific person and God wants to say something to that person. He's not gonna go, oh no, what am I gonna do? There's not one of my gifted people who walk in word of knowledge here. I guess my hands are tied. No, he'll give you what you need to minister life to that person in that moment. So let's not get all weird or possessive about them. Like these are the ones I own and these are the ones I don't have. Like I think we can grow an awareness of certain giftings that we do walk in. I want to say that. 
but God will give us what we need when we need it to minister to that person in the moment. Is this making sense? So let's start moving into these. So um, I'm going to read each of these briefly. Um, there's, you know, there's several verses in each of these, but there's kind of some primary passages that have lists of these gifts. Listen, we see the gifts all through the scripture. Like Jesus' ministry and operation, we see a lot of this on display. Read through Acts, we see it moving through, through the church. Um, but there's a few places that, that list some things specifically. And so Romans 12, where we have spent a lot of time recently as a church, Romans 12, six through eight, let's read this together. Um, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So Romans 12 is a, is a key passage on the gifts. Also 1 Corinthians 12, I already referenced a little bit from 1 Corinthians. I'm gonna read verses eight through 10 and then also um, verse 28 kind of lists maybe more some roles um, that operate. So here we go, 1 Corinthians 12, eight through 10. For to one is given through the spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one spirit. To another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. Verse 28 now. And God is appointed to the church First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Uh, and then finally, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. And so there's gifts and there's roles, a lot of the roles sort of work in conjunction with the gifts. To do what? To, so that the whole body is equipped and the whole body can minister. We can minister to each other and we can minister to a world that surely needs the love of God and the power of a life rooted in Jesus. So those are the passages on the gifts. So here's what we're gonna do. We're just gonna start working our way through these the next couple of weeks. Um, I will reference in my notes, there's things I'm gonna say in passing, but don't just take my word for it. I read all of those passages on purpose, so it was front of mind. Um, but I will mention the different scriptures that refer to these, and they're in my notes if you wanna check those out later. I would encourage you, spend time with this in your own study, time with the Lord, prayerfully going through this. Um, and so we're just gonna kind of start um, with Romans 12, 6, and, and go through there and where they're mentioned. And then I'll reference, hey, if that one was also mentioned in Corinthians or in Ephesians, I'll reference that and we'll work through them um, kind of that way. Does that make sense? Does that give us some structure to go forward? All right, good. I need a little water. <clears throat> All right, so we're gonna start with prophecy. Prophecy. 
um, kind of underneath this um, umbrella of prophecy, if you will. Uh, I'm going to talk about the gift of prophecy right here in Romans 12.6. It's also mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12.10. Um, I'm going to also, while we're talking about prophecy, talk a little bit about words of wisdom and words of knowledge um, from the Corinthians passage, um, and then the role of a prophet, all right? So let's dive into this. Um, prophecy, the meaning of this, this word is it's a discourse emanating from divine inspiration. That sounds really like big words there. Discourse emanating from divine inspiration means God's speaking through us. He's speaking through us. Declaring the purposes of God. This could be everything from like reproving, like something needs to be corrected. It could be admonishing the wicked, like to turn and come to Christ, to know him. Um, it could be comforting the afflicted, revealing things that are hidden, um, even foretelling future events. Um, to give us a framework for this, this is just kind of a, a rough sketch of how to look at this. Prophecy is God-inspired speech or action. Like sometimes we see prophetic action, like this action represents something or communicates something that God wants to say. Prophetic speech or action that is either foretelling, right, so talking about the future, or forthtelling, speaking into the now. God wants to say something right here, right now. Now, I am not an expert. I've not done the math. I don't know all the details, but I've, I've, I've heard in different places that people go, hey, we've kind of added up all the prophecy we see in the scripture, and a large portion of it, like the vast majority of it, is not predictive in nature. It's God speaking to these people at this moment about what's going on. Here's where you need to turn and repent. Here's where you need to step up and act. It's where God wants to speak. But at times, he does want to give us a sense of what's coming, that sense of assurance. Like we have an eternal God who knows the end from the, the beginning from the end, and he'll let us into that. And so there is future foretelling, and there is speaking into the now. Um, Jesus fulfilled a ton of Old Testament prophecies. It's one of the things that gives us assurance that he is who God says he is, that he's the Messiah, the chosen one, because he fulfilled hundreds of year old prophecies when he came. Um, and so there's a sense of prophecy. So um, a couple of, of scriptures that are, that are examples of this in the New Testament, if you will. I'm gonna read the first one. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 through 21. Paul's writing to the Thessalonian church and he says, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything, holding fast what is good. So he doesn't say blindly follow everything somebody says because they've declared themselves a prophet or they put the words, thus says the Lord, in front of it. And so you should just blindly follow it. But he also says don't despise prophecy. Don't blow it off or ignore it. Instead, listen, receive it, test it. Does this line up with the word of God? Does this, does this line up? Like, does it resonate with what God's trying to say in my life right now? And then hold fast to what God has for you, what good thing he has. And so don't despise it, don't blow it off, test it, hold fast to it. Um, prophecy operated in a few ways. Timothy was commissioned by prophecy. You can read about that in 1 Timothy 4.14. Like the elders laid hands upon him and prophesied his ministry and gifts he was gonna walk in. And Paul's like, buddy, keep at it. Stir that up, use that gift, minister. 
Um, and in 2 Peter 1, 20 through 21, Scripture itself is prophecy. God spoke, people listened, and wrote these words down. Like the Bible that we're holding is a prophetic book. It's not the opinions of men. It's the revealed truth from God. Does this make sense? Are y'all tracking with me? Are you like, man, we're already on a, on a tough, hard one right out of the gate? Man, prophecy, listen, here's the bottom line. God loves people and he wants to communicate with us. He wants to communicate life-giving truth that we need to hear. And so he speaks to us because he loves us. And so he'll communicate truth. It will line up with his word. It'll line up with his word. It'll resonate with the spirit in us. He says, don't quench the spirit. Man, let me listen to the Holy Spirit that's in me and see if that's resonating with what this person's saying. Let me, if I'm confused or uncertain, bring some other trusted people who know and walk with the Lord. Bring them into it. Hey, will you help me process through this? Here's this you know, word that I received or heard. What do you think? What do you hear? Um, let's don't blow it off. Let's don't ignore it. Let's test everything and then hold on to what's good. So, that's, that's a taste of prophecy. A word of wisdom. This is kind of like a specific thing that the Lord might speak. Um, it's, a, it's a combination of two words, logos, word, and, and the word wisdom kind of together. God will give a word of wisdom. You can find this in 1 Corinthians 12, 8, which we just read. Um, it means wisdom, understanding, or insight. It can even mean skill or tact or expertise, like there's this gift of wisdom that God gives because it's needed. It's practical wisdom. It's for management. It includes the idea of sound judgment and good sense where, where God will give me like a unique insight into how to handle maybe a particular situation or a particular season I might be in where I'm like, Lord, this is, this is just beyond my knowledge, my wisdom, my understanding. I'm outside of my comfort zone. And man, he'll give, he'll give a word of wisdom. He'll give direction. Um, there was a situation that unfolded a few months back, and um, as it was kind of unfolding, I sort of immediately felt like, oh, here's what I need to do. Like, just kind of relying on past experience, instinct, here's just how I would typically handle this. And so I started to go down that road, and, and part of why I'm sharing this is I want to give you a sense of, like, I didn't hear an audible voice from heaven that said, Jake, don't do that. Do this instead. It, it wasn't anything like that. I just... I felt this pause of like, stop. That was it. I just had this sense of like I was supposed to stop and not react the way I was about to react and not step in to handle the situation the way I felt was just kind of the normal way I would do that. I just felt this pause and I, I had nothing other than that. I didn't have this deep insight. I was like, just pause right here. It's like, okay, I need to pause. I slept on it. Next morning, woke up, had just a tiny bit more of like, hey, just do this one thing. It was just this little sense of I should call that person and have this conversation. And then it became very clear over the next several days that the Lord had stopped me in my tracks from relying on my own like wisdom or instinct or experience because there was a unique way that situation needed to be handled. And I'm grateful. Like it wasn't like, oh man, look at this incredible wisdom I has. No, I was heading the wrong direction and God rescued me from making a big mistake because I was relying on my own wisdom. And he said, no, this and so he'll give us wisdom. Man, if, you, if you're in a situation where you feel like, I don't know what to do right here, pray for this. Holy Spirit, would you give me the gift of wisdom? Would you send someone else with a word of wisdom? I'd love to receive some guidance. He'll give a word of wisdom. 
similarly is like a word of knowledge where maybe you just know something, there's no other way you could know it. Like you don't have any knowledge of this situation or this circumstance and God just gives it to you, a word of knowledge. It's knowing something, general knowledge, even understanding. God just giving us an insight into something. And you know, have you ever had a thing like, uh, my kind of past experience terminology is like somebody's reading your mail. Have you ever had that experience, right? Where somebody just comes up, says something, maybe they're speaking some encouragement or whatever, and you just walk away going, how did they know that's what I needed to hear? How did they know that? Well, they didn't know that, but the Lord knew. And he loves you and he loves me. And he'll speak those things that we need to hear often just to build us up and encourage us. Like, like a, lot of, a lot of the prophetic stuff we see in scripture is about building up, strengthening, encouraging. And even when it's hard to hear, because there are prophetic moments that are like, hey, knock it off. Hey, this needs to be addressed. Why does God do that? For our good. To bring us to a place of repentance so we can walk forward in health. So a relationship can be reconciled. So we could be set free of bondage or sin. And so, yes, sometimes he'll speak prophetically or a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge through someone to go, hey, this. Because in his great love, he will correct us. He's a good father. And so he loves us enough to get us back on track. All right, the role of a prophet. There are people who walk in this role in scripture. Um, This is one who is moved by inspiration of God to speak, to instruct, to comfort, to encourage, to rebuke, to convict. I'm just listing ways that prophets operate in the scripture. Um, They can speak concerning future events. Some New Testament examples. You could check out in Luke 7, 26 through 28, Jesus calls John the Baptist a prophet. Um, If you look in Acts 15, 32, Judas and Silas show up in Antioch and they are strengthening the church. It says they are prophets who comfort and strengthen the church at Antioch. And so the Lord spoke through them to minister and encourage to the body of believers in Antioch. And so we see people operating in the role of prophet. Um, Oh, in fact, I have that scripture in my notes here. Acts 15, oh, Jacob, you're on it, man. You're on it. And Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. I was very inspired by that phrase, many words. And so we're gonna be here for maybe another, you know, 45 minutes, hour. Is that good? Because we're strengthened by many words, right? I don't know. Somehow that was beneficial to them to hear many words in that context. All right, let's keep going. Prophecy. I realize we could do a whole sermon on that. Okay, I'm just wanting to give you a taste of this and I want you to see examples in scripture. But God wants to speak to people and through people to build up, to encourage, to give needed insight and wisdom. And there's even people who will operate in this role where that's, that's a way that the Lord gives help and direction to his church, all right? Um, number two, serving and helps. These are different words. I'm grouping them together. They somewhat correlate. And so Romans 12, 7 talks about serving. Um, this, this word is kind of connected with the idea of a deacon or a servant or a minister. We see that word throughout the New Testament. Um, the most literal translation of the word serving means to serve or wait a table. Like you're preferring someone ahead of you. You're, you're taking care of them. You're waiting upon them. And so serving, that's a gift. 
Man, there's, there's people that operate strongly in this gift where they just tend and serve. Um, one of my daughters has, has been doing this a lot recently and like we're finding out from other people these little ways where she's been like loving on them or taking care of them. I'm like, that kid? I'm kidding. We weren't surprised at all. Like she's operating in this gift of serving. It's, it's, it's ministering to people. It's caring for them. Just little things that she would just see in their life. It's like, you definitely got that from your mom, not your dad. But really she got it from the Holy Spirit, from the presence of God, stirring this gift in her to serve. And so we serve. Jesus came to serve, not to be served, right? The disciples are vying for like, who's gonna have the seat of honor, authority, power? What about when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus is like, he shuts all that down. He goes, no, 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 no. I came not to be served, but to serve. And the greatest among you is going to be a servant. And so this is even the very way that we lead and operate is from the place of serving. And thank God by his spirit, he'll give us the gift of being able to serve well and prefer others ahead of ourselves. The gift of helps, this could be somewhat similar. This is 1 Corinthians 12, 28. It means help, relief, or aid. So this is almost like specifically serving towards uh, the poor and the sick are the most often places where we see this idea of helps in the scripture, to the poor or to the sick. And so um, deacons even specifically got appointed to do this sort of serving, this sort of helping, where we serve in general, but specifically we're tending to the poor and to the sick, helping to meet their needs. So think like a nurse. Like think like a nurse. Think someone who, who serves like in homeless ministry as an example. Like I recognize people who are in deep need and there's just this special grace to come alongside and tend and serve in those situations. Like that's a true gift. Like if I'm in a situation where there's maybe blood involved, I am, I am not a very helpful person in that situation because I don't do well around that. But there's other people who just like, they can shut all that out. They can be very present to tend that wound, tend that person, bring the comfort and care that's needed. It's it, think like a nurse or that sort of ministry. So serving and helps. And then finally this morning, uh, we're gonna talk about teaching and also exhortation. There's the gift of teaching where, where we are able to learn and retain information because someone communicates it clearly and effectively. They're just really gifted at that. And so uh, we see this in Romans 12, verse 7. It means to hold discourse with others in order to instruct them. To impart instruction, it can mean to instill doctrine into one or to explain or expound a thing. Jesus was the, the master teacher. Like he was the master at this. Um, we see this like the Sermon on the Mount. That's what that is. Like it literally says all these crowds gathered and Jesus sat to teach them. And so he walked them through. And he does it in this masterful way, right? Like he's not just telling them information. He's giving them examples and stories. It's just, it's this powerful explanation where he invites them into all of this truth. And then in Matthew 5, 19, it even says Jesus not only taught them commandments, but he was, he was encouraging them to teach the commandments, so you take what you're learning from me, you learn how to teach it, and by the way, part of how you teach it, you do it, right? How often we learn, not just by words of instruction, but by example, like we see it modeled in front of us. You know, thank God I've had people in my life who haven't just sat down and taught me the gifts. I've been able to be around them and watch them move 
in different gifts. Some we've talked about here, some we'll talk about next week. And so it's not just their ability to communicate it verbally, but to, to show and to teach it, to model it. It's an example, as an example. And so teaching is a gift, to be able to help walk people along the way. There's some people who are really great at doing something, and they're not great at giving it away. You know, Michael Jordan was a great athlete. I, he, he never became a coach. Doesn't seem like he was a very good owner either, but he never became a coach. He could do it, but he didn't necessarily have the patience or the ability to communicate to others how to do what he did, all right? Teaching. Exhortation can kind of go along with this. Exhortation is usually like verbal communication, but it, it, it builds up, it encourages, it strengthens. This is from Romans 12, 8. It's to call, it's to invite. It offers aid, help, comfort. It consoles for example, one of the places we see it show up, Jesus says in that same Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 4, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted is, is usually how it's translated, but that's the same word, exhorted. Blessed are those who mourn, they will be exhorted. God wants to comfort them, to build them up, to console them. Um, Peter exhorted the crowd at Pentecost to be saved. So sometimes exhortation is like, I want to encourage you and inspire you to respond to the gospel. And so he exhorted them to repent and come to Christ. And then we see Paul exhorting the church in Acts 14, 22. He exhorts the believers to hold on, to continue in faith in the midst of tribulation. So exhortation can comfort. It can also kind of spur some courage into us. Man, keep going. Hang in there. You've got it, what it takes because the Lord is with you and he's in you. and You're going to make it. It's going to be all right. Um, and then there's the specific role of a teacher, someone who operates in that way. And uh, this is found in 1 Corinthians 12, 28 and Ephesians 4, 11, that role of teacher. God has that role within the body of Christ to help equip the saints for ministry. And so that word means instructor. It means master. It's one of the main words uh, that were used to describe Christ. Like they referred to him as master. Instructor, master, doctor, teacher. This is someone who knows a subject so well, they are well-versed in it, they're an expert in it, and they can communicate it clearly and accurately, and they can help others learn and walk in it. And so that's, that's a teacher. It's used to describe Jesus over 40 times. And then in the letter to the Hebrews, they're encouraged, like, sadly, because they weren't there, but the idea was, you guys have been learning this stuff for a while. You should be becoming teachers. But instead, you're not grabbing hold of this. You're still kind of drinking milk. You're like a newborn, but you should be able now to be passing this on to other babies in the faith. Like the Lord wants all of us to grow as teachers. So we so know how to use and handle the scripture and the truth of the word that it's operating in our lives and now we are able to pass it on to others. Like guys, we're here because other people taught us. We wouldn't be here if other people hadn't taught us the truth of the word of God and how to walk in it. We're here because not only the prophetic nature of the scripture, but people speaking inspired by God brought us to the truth and encourage us to continue to walk with him. We're here because people have served and helped us in times of need, and God wants to use us to do the same. So there's a few gifts that we've begun unpacking this morning. We'll cover more gifts and roles next Sunday. We'll see if we get through them all. I know we went a couple minutes long this morning. 
Thank you guys for your patience with it. But we'll continue on next Sunday and maybe a third Sunday, depending on how long it takes. And so just by way of conclusion, friends, let's not be ignorant of these gifts. Let's be open to the Spirit of God and let's allow him to operate in us through his power, not ours, operating in love to minister how he gifts us, when and how he desires, in whatever roles he may place us in. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you again for the precious gift of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are here with us this morning and you are with us always. Lord, may we be filled fresh and new even this morning. May we walk daily, moment by moment, in awareness of your presence in our lives, cultivating and enjoying a relationship with you, walking in submission to your lead, to your lordship in our lives. And then Jesus, we want to cooperate with what you're doing in your body and in our community, in the world around us. And so Holy Spirit, help us not to ignore or be ignorant of or not understand the gifts you wanna give, but help us to walk in relationship with you and to be open to using these gifts as you give them that we might participate in your work of building up your body and in bringing truth to a world that needs it. God, we love you and we worship you and we thank you for the gift of your presence. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.